in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. <clears throat> Pardon me. Here's that little tidbit that um, Curtis Sliwa just called to my attention. FBI investigates Pelham Bay home owned by key mayoral aide. This is from News 12, the Bronx. An FBI investigation occurred Thursday inside a Pelham Bay home owned by one of Mayor Eric Adams's top advisors. News 12 received a tip that FBI agents were blocking off four corners of an intersection uh, and entering a home at 1447 Gillespie Avenue early in the morning. Oh, early in the morning. Open up, FBI! That's everybody. They they have this uh, study that says basically uh, forget about people who say I got up at five thirty in the morning. Ninety nine point nine percent of the population is asleep at four fifty five a.m. The FBI of New York has confirmed that it was conducting law enforcement activity at the site. Government trucks were also seen parked throughout the area. Okay, here we go. New York City's Department of Finance data shows that the home is owned by Winnie Greco. Pardon me a senior advisor to Adams. However, there is currently no confirmation that the law enforcement activity has anything to do with Greco. Well, I think uh, it's a safe leap, don't you? In 2023, the Department of Investigation confirmed that they opened an inquiry into her after the publication the city reported on allegations that she tried to benefit improperly from her government position. Imagine that, somebody in the... Adams administration trying to benefit from their government position improperly. The department declined to comment on the FBI. You know, the FBI showing up, it's a big deal. I know they've been thoroughly and completely, uh, thoroughly disgraced by their own activity. The FBI, Friends of Biden Incorporated. So, you know what? I gotta keep, uh, I gotta keep an open mind on this stuff. I, I really do mean that. There are a lot of reasons to not like and not respect Eric Adams. Um, the FBI poking around his garbage and his phone, not necessarily one of the reasons. Well, let's see here. Our administration will follow up, will follow the law, and we always expect all of our employees to adhere to the law. All right, Winnie Greco also told that she has ties, this is an allegation, ties to communist China. I don't know anything about that. Hey, uh, the other thing that uh, Mitch McConnell left, you know, he November, I will no longer be the leader. Uh, I will, however, continue working for the people of Kentucky after all they sent me here more than 40 years ago. And it exceeded my wildest dreams. Um, he, he has a sister-in-law. You know, his wife is Elaine Chow, also known as Elaine Coco Chow. And Elaine Chow, fine woman, bit of a swamp character. Mitch has had it kind of set up for a long time that any Republican must have Elaine sitting in the cabinet. Uh, she's a bit of a New Yorker, too. I think she went to St. John's, if I'm not mistaken. St. John's undergrad and maybe Harvard Business School. So she's got New York connections. Well, her sister, who was 50 years old, who I actually met at a party about two years ago, very nice woman. I'm very down to earth, a bit more like, you know, she was, Elaine is very kind of wary about who she's speaking to, but this one was kind of more open and free. Well, she died um, in a single vehicle car accident uh, about two weeks ago in Texas. Very strange car accident. 
a single car accident. Uh, she drowned in a pond. And nobody can figure out what the hell really happened. And they're, well, people, I've seen, I saw this special YouTube show. This lady is convinced that communist China had, uh, had something to do with it. Hey, now we're back to Donald Trump is the ultimate threat to democracy. What the hell happened to all those white supremacists? Did we catch them all? Because for two years, that's all I heard about. White supremacy is the existential threat to America. I'm looking at Jay Johnson, who was the former uh, Homeland Security director under Obama. And he was one of those guys yelling and screaming about white supremacy and what a threat it was to American democracy. Then they moved on to MAGA. MAGA is a threat to American democracy. And for the left, same difference, right? MAGA, white supremacy, right? Same difference. They don't know who the hell we are. They don't know what we're about. Um, but it's interesting because you can only keep that crap going for so long. You're probably, it's probably going to come back in overdrive because what happened yesterday with the Supreme Court, Donald Trump will be, he's not going to be taken out before the election. That was a, <laughs> uh, it's not, it's not working. It's not working. Donald Trump won. And you know what he did? Through it all, he followed the law. It's interesting. They're always talking about what a lawless guy he is, yet every one of those pretrial engagements, the arrests, the, the court appearances in Atlanta, in New York, in Washington, you know what he did? He showed up for every single one. And he had lawyers, and they treated judges appropriately. I mean, well, maybe even too appropriately, right? They cooperated every step of the way. Are we going to miss Mitch? Marco Rubio thinks he's a swell guy. Cut 12. It's probably been the most consequential Republican senator, if not senator, of the last quarter century in terms of his impact on American politics. Yeah, whatever. All right, one more about Mitch, from Mitch, and I never want to think about this guy again. Cut 11. The other big story that will reshape the political landscape in Washington, Republican Senate leader Mitch McConnell announcing that he will step down from his role as party leader after nearly 20 years CBS' Nicole Killian has reaction from mm. Capitol Hill. I love the Senate. I like An emotional Mitch McConnell took to the well of the Senate Wednesday in a surprise speech. I know the politics within my party at this particular moment in time. I have many faults. Misunderstanding politics is not one of them. The 82-year-old Republican leader said the decision came after careful deliberation. It follows a series of health challenges, including two episodes last year, where he seemingly froze in public. Elected in 1984, McConnell is the longest-serving Senate leader in U.S. history. Rising quickly through the ranks, he was instrumental in reshaping the Supreme Court by helping to confirm three conservative justices during the Trump administration. It's probably been the most consequential Republican senator, if not senator, of the last quarter century in terms of his impact on American politics. Hmm. So what? You know, that stuff about the getting the judges confirmed and when you have a majority, that's like a no brainer. You're supposed to do it. He tripped up Trump in big ways and small. I don't trust the guy. I'm hearing that he was on the way out anyway. Um, that the, uh, the, the real, the, the America first people, the MAGA people in the Senate, you know, people like Tom Cotton, Ted Cruz and the rest, they were like, they had it with that guy, especially after he put forward that crazy immigration, uh, uh, bill that s seemed to authorize illegal immigration. 
it was it was just beyond. What are his? Uh, I'd love to ask him a little bit about China, wouldn't you? He's very uh, he's very kind of taciturn. Taciturn is that the word? Taciturn when it comes to things Chinese. Uh, this is the statement of Robert Hunter Biden. Did you know that Hunter's Hunter is his middle name? His first name is Robert Robert Hunter Biden. I am here today to provide the committees with the only one uncontestable fact that should end the false premise of this inquiry. I did not involve my father in my business. Yeah, this is just, I did not involve my father in my business. Abby Lowell lawyered this thing backwards and forwards. You have built your entire career, your entire partisan house of cards on lies told by Tony Bobolinsky, Alexander Smirnov. No, I don't, there's not one thing about what Tony Bobolinsky has said has been proven false. The arrogance, and did you see him walking through the halls and patting Abby Lowell on the back like they were a couple of heroes? Like they, they pulled a fast one? Have we gotten the full damn transcript? Have we? What are they waiting for? I would not be surprised if the people on that committee, the, even the people on our side, if they blew it a little bit, I would not be surprised. Let's see here. Come on, come on, come on. Where the hell is it? Uh, uh, nope. Defiant opening statement. Hunter Biden denounces MAGA motivated conspiracies. MAGA motivated conspiracies. Well, was it a MAGA motivated conspiracy that you sent that text message to the Chinese official demanding $5 million for you and your dad? He had an excuse for that one. He was drunk or maybe high. Let's see here. Uh, Hunter Biden's opening statement to investigators collides with witness testimony, email evidence. At one point, we asked Hunter about the 10% for the big guy, and he said, oh, that was after my father left office. (laughs) This is what they're hanging it on, the FBI itself. And I have to go back. We have to. We have to emphasize what they did. The FBI arrested one of their own informants, for the stuff that the informant said to the FBI. This is so unbelievably crazy, so in violation of their own policies. What is this guy's crime? There is no crime other than Joe Biden ordered, ordered, I have no doubt whatsoever, that this man who accuses Joe Biden quite credibly of being bribed, getting money from Ukraine, they ordered him arrested. And you must label it a lie. And this is what it boils down to. I mentioned this last week, but now it's more clear than ever before. They say, just like Hunter did, well, that was after my father left office. Oh, 2017, my father couldn't do anything for anybody. Well, in 2017, actually, he was the future president of the United States. Remember that. He's also an ex-vice president in elite club. He may be receiving fees for services already rendered. That's how it often works in bribery schemes. Nobody seems to understand that other than you and me, Gail. Hello. Good afternoon, Greg. You know, I was looking up the word sanctionary, sanctuary um, in an American dictionary, and it says it's a sacred place as a church, a temple, a place of worship, a place of refuge for protection and immunity from the law. So now in our country, where is my sanctuary as an American citizen and a granddaughter of legal immigrants? um, When you want to go to worship, we are now ostracized by the ideologues in our own legislation, both sides, that their very beliefs that the people are surging our border for 
they're coming here and they're taking away what they're coming here for, freedom of religion. It doesn't make sense. What an interesting way to put it. Where is our sanctuary, our refuge? You know, a nation, a nation state, it's fortified to protect its citizens. This should be our sanctuary. Forget about sanctuary cities. America should be a sanctuary for its citizens. And it's not. You see all these people. There's so many now. Children, women, American citizens being killed by some of these maniac people who already broke the law by coming to this country illegally. Again, we love the we love the legal migration. That's fine. It's actually beautiful. They take that citizenship oath. They even have to pledge an extra level of allegiance to America. By the way, I'm looking at Joe at uh, Donald Trump. He's in Del Rio, Texas. Gosh, he's totally, totally and completely accessible to the media. This is another reason why he's going to win or he should win is because he runs circles around Joe Biden. Joe Biden is deathly afraid, and so is his staff. They're always going to screw something up. Gail, I love what you said. Made a lot of sense. Anything else? Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm so glad you asked. You know, you were talking about E. Jean Carroll a while ago, right? Yep. Um, and she forgot the date and the year that she was allegedly um, raped let's call it, um, which I don't take away, you know, from any woman, you know. But, you know, usually that's something that you would never forget. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm only saying this because I watched her on um, Anderson Cooper, and she said, oh, as a matter of fact, I shopped in that store today. It's so cozy and small. Why would you want to return somewhere where you had the most horrible um attack that you say you had and you didn't remember the date the time and now this smirnoff he didn't remember the exact date and they're attacking him like he's a liar he's a russian he's this he's with the whatever that's my view that's a beautiful point of view by the way i share it completely i've actually talked about that publicly i know that comment that he made that she made to anderson cooper and how much she loved the place and uh, it was just so bizarre it was her happy place it would they call she called it her happy place she was there today shopping for stuff you don't go to the place of your trauma it's a great big lie everybody knows it is and it really is scary and i'm telling you this as somebody who was once falsely accused um if it can happen to me and it can happen to him it can happen to, <laughs> and it's being encouraged and it's wrong and thank god though you know what thank god overall the, the system of justice, as much as it screwed him over, we had a big victory yesterday. I think the Supreme Court knows what's going on. They don't like it. Sooner or later, somebody of integrity had to do something. Gail, I appreciate it. Be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.
Deep breaths. Hey, it's February 29th, right? What the hell is that? How do they figure out the leap year? How does that actually work? You know who came up with it? I'm told Julius Caesar or one of his top guys. He had his top physicists go out and look at the sun, look at the moon, look at the stars. And for some reason or another that I don't understand, we need an extra day in February. So it's February 29th. We haven't had one in, uh, what, five years, four years? How does it work? Four years. Four years. All right. It's uh, it's that day. Hey, um, <clears throat> listen to this. Uh, Miranda Devine, Lakin Riley should not be dead. If Joe Biden had not opened the borders with a slew of executive orders on his first day as president, the bubbly University of Georgia nursing student would still be alive. That is a brutal fact. And like I said earlier this week, Lakin Riley, say her name. It must be turned into a national um, a national cause. This should be as big as Breonna Taylor or George Floyd. You know, Donald, uh, what's his name? Uh, Joe Biden, he cried. He went to the funeral, right? He he writes little letters to the children of George Floyd. You know, a degenerate lowlife who once tried to kill a woman, a pregnant woman, during a house invasion. Uh, let's see here. A drug addict. Um, you know, I, I just, I mean, this is this is not a model citizen. I wish everybody lived to be 100. I wish George Floyd had made better decisions. I wish George Floyd had not opted to try to spend a fake $20 bill. I am not going to blame, however, uh, the people at Topps Foods who called the cops. Nobody ever talks about those guys. They were like, hey, we are tired of being ripped off by this guy. Can you help? You also never hear about that George Floyd shoved a massive amount of pills in his mouth. To induce, induce uh, a uh, overdose, perhaps. He wanted to actually have a medical episode so they would bring him to the hospital instead of jail. Did you know that? Have you seen the, uh, uh, the truth about Minneapolis yet? There's a whole movie about this. Those men, those men who are, were unfairly accused of killing George Floyd, the officers, Derek Chauvin... They are innocent. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. (sighs) All right. Am I supposed to react to this music or something? I know what it is. It's the Thompson Twins, 1983. I had a picture. Pinned to my wall, an image of you and of me. Look at our life now. I do not like the Thompson Twins. I didn't understand them then. I don't understand them now. Uh, somebody, for whatever reason, this was like the number one song in the country in 1983. I remember where I was. We were going with my brother, looking at colleges. All over the place. We went to Skidmore College. We went to Dartmouth College. We went to SUNY Plattsburgh. Uh, we went to all these colleges, and this damn song was on the radio the entire time. Uh, I do also remember, I did not go, but my brother went to go see this band, the Thompson Twins, in um, in Forest Hills. Forest Hills, this tennis stadium, they used to have concerts there. 
And for some reason, about three years ago, I Googled the Thompson twins. The black guy, there were the twins, and then there was the black guy. The black guy is now a massage therapist in Los Angeles, just so you know. You know, I just saw Miranda Devine on the Fox News, and she's terrific. Miranda Devine is the New York Post columnist, absolutely uh, knowledgeable, a brave truth teller. She wrote The Laptop from Hell. Uh, she has been right about everything, every step of the way, alone, alone voice of reason sometimes over there um, in the New York Post. Well, I like the New York Post, but I got mixed feelings. You know, they endorsed Eric Adams. They do weird stuff. They did have the laptop, of course, and they do have her and they're they're amazing. So she's trying to tell the story about how absurd it is that the FBI would, after trying to stop all of the inquiries, all of the requests for the DD-1023, I think it's called, the 1023, the FBI form. Um, some guy alleged that Joe Biden was getting $5 million in bribes from um, uh, Burisma. And so was Hunter. I think the man's name was Zlochevsky. And Zlochevsky said all this stuff to a previously confidential human source. And we were told by Christopher Ray, by everybody else, that you cannot, not, you can't know who the confidential human in source. It would blow all of our procedures, all of our techniques, all of our tactics. You know, it will, lives will be at risk if you find out who this is. You can't even see the report. You can't even be in the same room as the report. All right. Well, they turned around and they identified the confidential human source and they arrested him. <laughs> His name is Alexander Smirnoff. He's sitting in a federal jail in Las Vegas. And it's I don't know if this has ever happened. He is accused of lying to the FBI. That's his big crime. An informant lying to the FBI. Now, number one, we don't know if he's lying. And I don't think, having looked at the DD-1023, he's just saying that, well, this is what he's hearing from certain people in Ukraine. How do they know that he didn't hear that stuff? How are they so convinced that he made that stuff up? Well, one of the ways they've convinced themselves is that in the FBI's head, it's impossible that Smirnov could have heard any of this stuff. Smirnov could have heard any of this stuff prior to 2017. But Smirnov says in the 1023, I heard, I heard it in 2015, 2016. Aha, you see? He could not have known that until 2017. But he's saying he heard it in 2015. Therefore, he's a liar. Nine years ago, ten years ago, six years ago, who cares? Nobody can figure out. Nobody remembers like that. And the other big thing they say implicates Smirnov is that in 2017, when these bribes may have been going to Joe Biden, Joe Biden was no longer vice president. Ergo, he's no longer bribable. Are you kidding me? Number one, it could have been for services already provided. Number two, it could be for services provided in the future. Um, he is, all, after all, the future president of the United States. Nobody knows it at that point. Um, and there are only a handful of uh, former vice presidents. Those guys are valuable. Having them do your do your dirty work or do any kind of work, that's a big thing. So Miranda Devine is trying to talk about some of this stuff. And this nasty, hideous Jacqueline somebody, she's often at the White House. She epitomizes so much that is terrible about media, especially broadcast media, the vanity, the focus on the looks, the lipstick, all that crap. Men and women, the the male equivalent is uh, David Muir. Tonight, a woman in St. Louis is under investigation. 
She apparently questioned a man entering her building. He was a black man, and she is white. We go now to our reporter. What? Anyway, what is that person's name? Jacqueline somebody. Can't stand them. Just can't stand them. Uh, just give Miranda Devine the microphone and try to learn something, Jacqueline. What is her name? Jackie Heinrich. Heinrich. Jackie Heimlich. Hi, that's how I remember it. Heimlich. I'm going to throw up. Um, hello, Barbara. Hi. Hi, Greg. You're describing more and more of what we hear every day of tyranny, this time from the FBI for this human, you know, resource and the way they're treating them. That's tyranny. What we're seeing in the courts against Trump and against Trump supporters who are going to jail is tyranny. What we're seeing in the courts against the J6 prisoners is tyranny. And Montesquieu warned us about that. He said there is no greater tyranny than that which is perpetrated under the shield of law and in the name of justice. I love it. I love it. I love it. I don't know if you hear me typing. I'm listening and I'm typing the words. I'm also sending an email uh, to some of the people over at Fox News. Did you see that? Hey, you watch some Fox News. Are you as disappointed in, in them as I often am? I hardly ever watch them anymore because they're so transparently following an agenda. And their agenda is not the truth. Yeah. That's very obvious. Corporate, corporate interests, corporate interests. And you know what? Uh, Nobody is driving this country off the cliff more than corporate America. You know, and let's uh, let's be specific. Coca-Cola. Let's talk about the Coca-Cola company. You know, they're taking weirdo, woke positions, partisan. They're getting involved in Georgia election law. And what else are they doing? Pushing racial uh, strife uh, internally, externally, right? They want everybody to be looking at the color of the skin, not anything else. And, oh, by the way, what do they sell? Poison. Coca-Cola is poison. Diet Cola, Diet Coke, regular Coke. In fact, I'm going to look this up. Some good people in Washington, D.C., a number of clergy members got together, and you know what they did? They sued Coca-Cola, because guess what Coca-Cola was doing? They were, in the opinion of these uh, these ministers, unfairly targeting uh, poor black neighborhoods with high-calorie, sugary, bad-for-you soda, as tobacco companies uh, used to do with the menthol cigarettes. So uh, anyway, sorry, that's a little off topic. Barbara, what was that thing about? Did you want, did you tell, what did Basquiat say again? And this was Montesquieu. Ah. And Montesquieu said, there is no greater tyranny than that which is perpetrated under the shield of law and in the name of justice. And I have a great, great quote from Basquiat also, because you were talking about George Floyd. and, And there again, the truth is not out. The truth does not go to the public. And Bastiat said, when misguided public opinion honors what is despicable and despises what is honorable, applauds falsehood and smothers truth, a nation turns its back on progress and can be restored only by the terrible lessons of catastrophe. That is chilling to hear. But we can see it happening in our country. The truth is not getting out there. The truth is not getting to the people. It was Washington who said the truth will prevail if pains are taken to bring it to light. And we are not 
furnishing the truth to people. Who knows what the truth is? You can go and, and look on the computer and find six different versions of almost anything. That's why people have to be so careful of the source of their news. And again, that's why I've turned away from Fox and, you know, <laughs> I'm on Newsmax and, uh, and, and I'm on this, this station and I'm very careful of the sources of what I read and what I believe. Well, the other thing is this. You can go right to the documents. You know, hey, folks, there was a big big article about me in Barrett News Media. Uh, to be honest, they interviewed me, and I was a little freaked out. I was like, what the hell just happened? I uh, I got interviewed. I uh, asking me all these questions. I, I don't know. I, uh, it's, it's a little I, – I, I was uneasy being interviewed, to be honest. And uh, And I interview people all the time. And she asked me for my ideas about artificial intelligence, and I said a bunch of stuff, and she wanted to know what media I liked and what media I didn't like. And I basically said, I don't know, I see less of a need for certain media than ever before, because why go to the New York Times for a summary of something when you can go right to the actual source? You can actually get the indictments. You can actually get the filings. You can look at this yourself. You don't need somebody to give you a skewed version of what happened, or worse, Somebody giving you a skewed version, and they didn't even read the primary source documents. Well, Barbara, thank you very much. And on this issue of race, on this issue of race, I don't really think it's an issue, but I think that Shelby Steele is a hero. He happens to be black, and he happened to uh, lay down some significant truth at a symposium recently. Listen to this, please. That little item I sent you a moment ago. There you go problem is not remotely racism. Our problem is freedom. If you look at, look at most of what we do and you, you understand it's driven by this anxiety, look at what happened the, the moment they passed the 64 Civil Rights Bill. Within months, Stokely Carmichael was screaming, black power. The idea that your identity is your power. We, we just had won a civil rights revolution saying, no, we're citizens of a democracy. We have freedom. That's our power. We didn't have faith in that. It scared the hell out of us. So right away we grab identity and we make a big deal about being black. And being black is, you, my hair was out to here. My father would say, what, what's the word identity? What's that? What, why can't you just be a citizen? Well, we black people have begun to use race too Hide out from the challenges of freedom. Whoa. Whoa. That's pretty heavy stuff. That's pretty heavy stuff. Now, um, what might happen in these circumstances, you got to be very, very wary of this, all right? You know, I talk about race all the time on this show, on the other show, uh, and uh, often it's a conversation with myself and with you. I don't care what color anybody is. Now, the way to have a conversation about race in today's society, even in conservative media, you have to get people of uh, whatever color, right? You can't, a white person is not supposed to talk about race. And if you are going to talk about race, you got to find somebody uh, of color who happens to agree with you. Yeah, yeah, right? So that's the whole thing. But it's really, uh, in a way, preposterous, right? Because it's like, you have a person who happens to be well, – maybe it's an issue about the Asian community, black community, whatever, and like, okay, you, you will represent the Asian community. Like I represent the white community. It is kind of an insane dynamic. Wouldn't you guys agree, right? 
as I look at my white friend, my Hispanic friend, and my African-American friend, right? I, I Forgive me. You guys are all – it's like the United Colors of Benetton over there. Now, with that having been said, we have talked to you on the radio, Diego. We have talked to Rich on the radio. We usually talk to the – we haven't talked to Jonas yet. Could Jonas come in for a little bit? Would he mind? All right. Now, uh, no, no, come on in here. Sit in, sit over here on this side if you can. Um, now, Jonas happens to be black. And here I am talking about this stuff. And as I just made the big point, I don't need – I don't need any – I don't need – hello, Jonas. How are you? Uh, I don't, I hope you're not offended by this stuff. Look, here's the thing. When people start talking about race, they're going to make mistakes. Never, it's not going to be perfect. But having said that, the reason why there are so many rules and so many nuances, right? That only the left, they know the rules. So at the end of the day, the left, because they know the rules and they know the sensitivities, it's all about them, and they get to have the conversation where regular people who don't think about race all the time don't get to engage. But having said all that, let's put that aside for a moment because, Jonas, how uh, how long have you been at the station? Um, about a month now. How do you like it so far? It's been great. It's been a great experience. Everyone here has been a helping hand, and I'm continuing to, to get acclimated to everything and – I love your show. I love a lot of the host show, so it's been great. Thank you. Uh, so where'd you grow up? Spanish Harlem. Uh, where'd you go to high school? Manhattan Center for Science and Mathematics. It's right there on... On the FDR Drive? Yep. It's that big it. old school. Yeah. Is It, it I, looks I, like a White House, a miniature White House. Yeah, it's <laughs> huge. It's like a cathedral. And uh, is it? was it a good school? Did you like it? Yeah, I loved it. It actually had a lot of diversity where there were a lot of different cultures. Mm -hmm. um, you name it, it was there. Everyone traveling from all over the city, so it was a great experience there, too. Was it one of those schools you had to take a test to get into? Actually, no. I mean, they did check your GPA and how you did in middle school, but you didn't have to take a specific test to get there. When you After you get done with that, where do you go? What do you, what'd you do next? Um, CUNY Brooklyn College, where I graduated with a bachelor's in TV and radio. No kidding. Um, when did you graduate? 2021. Recently, uh, what was the college experience? Did you live on campus or did you commute? I commuted. What was college like? College, um, one thing that I loved about Brooklyn College as well was it was diverse too. Um, a lot of, especially um, different ranges of ages. You had people who were parents, had a lot of kids going there. So you really had to adjust to different age groups, different cultures, which was good as far as like assimilating and getting to know about other people's perspectives. Right. Um. And it was it was great as well. Like it's rated as one of the top schools in the nations as far as getting the best education for your money. You call it CUNY Brooklyn College? Is that what they call it now? We used to call it Brooklyn College. Is it? What did you call it again? Technically, like that's the name, but a lot of people do refer to Brooklyn College. I just say CUNY just in case. Um, I think there is a Brooklyn College elsewhere in this country. If I'm not mistaken, I think I heard once it might not be. But I just say CUNY just in case. CUNY Brooklyn College. I think you can, personally, I think you can get away with Brooklyn College. Cause then I thought, wait a second, CUNY Brooklyn College. What is that? But Brooklyn <laughs> College, I know. All right. So, and then your first job out of Brooklyn College was what? Sirius XM. Um, I was a sports newsroom audio editor. What do you want to be? What's the, what's the, what's the game plan? Um, the ultimate goal would be being behind the mic like you are. I had my own show at college where I talk predominantly about New York sports, uh -huh. but also I'm Christian too. I love discussing um, Jesus Christ and the word of God. So I had it 
it was tough because I was trying to figure out which one to do. And the sports director at that time said, why not do both? Just put them together, figure a way how to um, talk about both topics. And I went from there. Well, my goodness gracious, how refreshing. You know what I mean? How refreshing uh, to talk about Christ. I mean, good on you and keep it up. I Thank love you. it. I love it, Jonas. All right. So, well, do me a favor. Stick around. We're going to take some calls when we come back. Okay. Okay. And uh, you know how that goes. Yes, sir. Sometimes, uh, sometimes, sometimes it's a little bit uh, out there. But uh, thank you, Jonas. Be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, we are back uh, with Jonas. Welcome again to WABC, a one-month veteran, right? Yes, sir. Um, you want to take a call or two? Yeah. Uh, let's, let's see go. here. Uh, Eddie wants to say something about you, apparently. Eddie, you're on wow. with Jonas and Greg. Jonas, I want to thank the fellow sitting next to you, too, for having that spontaneity and in interviewing you, giving you the chance. You're going to go far. You really are. With <laughs> that you, Christian heart of yours. I want to hear about Christ in sports. And, you know, would Jesus take that layup? Would Jesus get it? No, I think it's great. You can do a lot with it, Jonas. God bless you. God bless you, Greg, for pulling Jonas on the air like that. Oh, it's my pleasure. Hey, and so actually, much. you think about it, aren't um, a lot of players disproportionate to the society in general are religious or Christian, correct? Yeah, correct. C.J. Stroud is actually one of the recent stories. Um, he's the Houston Texans quarterback mm-hmm. who's been talking about how he's able to stay even-keeled because at the end of the day, he knows football is his job and also a platform for him to talk about Jesus Christ to introduce him to others who may not know him. That's interesting. And these guys are presented with a lot of challenges, right? Yeah. I mean, on and off the field, temptation. You know, yeah, you throw no all doubt. this money at them. So they're kind of in the middle of a spiritual battle. And it's wonderful to hear that guy. Was C.J. Stroud? Yes, sir. All right. Let's do another one. Uh, Mike, Hello. Yeah, hi, Greg. Hey, I got a question. When you take a job or a position of leadership, are you supposed to react as things happen retroactively, or are you supposed to prepare in advance if you're in a position of leadership for opportunities and challenges that might come? Uh, All right. I mean, I feel like I'm being set up here, but uh, number one, uh, everyone's reactive but a truly great re- leader is proactive, in my opinion. But there are a lot of there's a lot of different things that go into leadership. Why do you ask? Well, I ask because if you're elected mayor of the largest city in the world, you're supposed to be a leader, and you're supposed to proactively understand that when you invite tens of thousands of unemployed people to the city, and your plan is to put them in place. You're not supposed to react and say, yeah. by the way, we put a bunch of people in. I got gotcha. you. Mike, we know he's a bad mayor. Thank you, and thank you, Jonas. Thank you. It's a privilege.